We are in a series called Covenant, and I get the privilege today of sharing a message called Covenant Friendship, where we talk about relationships and friendships in your life and how to do those in a covenant way. I stumbled upon this video this week as I was preparing for this message, and I thought it was fascinating. I I love understanding sort of the why and the science behind relationships and behind any topic that I preach on. I, I tend to go study the Bible, and then I go and look at secular sources and try to see what what is the world saying about this topic. And this theme uh, of feeling lonely, um, despite all of our connectedness, is running through a lot of different articles and journals and videos and all kinds of stuff. Everyone's talking about it. Um, Many of us will surround ourselves in this culture with shallow friendships, with tons of social connections, with meaningless hookups, and, and then we feel lonely in a crowded room. And and I don't know if you've ever been there, but I have. I've been in that situation where maybe you're at a party or a work function or God forbid even church and you should feel really connected to the people around you, but instead you're thinking about how you can't wait to get home to binge watch that show on Netflix, right? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. There's really silent there. So I'm assuming I'm the only one with a Netflix problem. But, uh, but, but you get more connected sometimes rather than real people. You're more connected to someone like Walter White or Lady Mary Crawley or Dexter or Don Draper, right? No, no, no. You guys like any of those shows? All right. I, I'm just throwing references out here. No one's, no one's feeling it. So whatever show you like, Duck Dynasty or something, I don't know. Um, right? You're, you feel more connected to those people than maybe you do real people that you're in the room with. Uh, I don't have a problem with Netflix. I don't have a problem with social media. Those are, those are good things. Uh, but it creates a, a culture of loneliness, and it's an epidemic in our society. And that word sounds kind of intense. You might say epidemic. That's, that's kind of a crazy word to describe loneliness. Well, studies show what I, when I was looking, the studies show that right now, 40% of Americans would say that they are lonely. And that's a big deal. If we looked at loneliness, at isolation, if we looked at that as a, as a sickness, as a disease, and we said 40% of our country has it, that would be an epidemic, right? Like if 40% of America woke up tomorrow with the flu, that would be all over the news. Everyone would be freaking out. They'd be like, oh my gosh, like everyone has the flu, Right? But 40% of Americans say they're lonely and we don't talk about it. That's up 20% since the 80s. In the 80s, only 20% of Americans said they felt lonely. And despite our, our technology and our culture growing in a way where we are more connected than ever, we feel more lonely than ever before. And one thing that I found that was interesting is that there are also studies that show that isolation and loneliness lead to dying earlier or premature death. Now, this is something that studies have shown for a while with children. There were studies even as far back as like 100 years ago that were showing that, that babies and children in orphanages often died prematurely, and one of the leading causes was a lack of connection, a lack of touch, a lack of intimacy with other humans. But what they're now finding in studies is that you don't ever outgrow that. That interestingly enough, we never outgrow our need for friends and relationship and connectedness to each other. That that, that affects even as adults. That, that take the same adults and the one that's in community has a better chance of living longer than the one who's in isolation. And so our solution to this right now often, and not everybody, but often the, the solution becomes social media. And again, I was reading all these different studies, and one that I found that was really interesting was that loneliness actually spreads through social media. And that might seem kind of um, 
counterintuitive or it might seem wrong, but, but they were saying that when people get on social media and they're feeling lonely and they begin to post about that, and I, I don't know if you guys have friends like that. Maybe you've hidden them all like I have at this point, but they go on there and they, they post something like, I'm lonely, right? Or I, I'm all alone tonight. And then they, the, Facebook now has the feature that you can say how you're feeling. Anyone use that, right? Like last night I posted, I was preaching today and I was feeling awesome. And then it's a smiley face with like this uh, big eyes. And um, but you get, you know, feeling lonely or whatever. It said that as people read your status, as people connect with you in that way, they begin to take on those feelings. And so loneliness actually spreads through Facebook, believe it or not. Uh, so here at church, here at True Life, we would want to say, well, what's the solution? What do we do about this? And that's what we're going to talk about today in this message. I want to go to a verse that Michael ended his message last week with. So if you're here last week, he did a great job kicking off this series, talking about what a covenant is and everything like that. And it was a great message. It's up on our website. It's on iTunes. Go check it out. But he ended with this verse last week, and I want to go back to it. 1 John four nineteen, And it says this, We love because he first loved us. The we, that, that's us, the church. We love. The he in that verse, that's Christ. We love because Christ loved us is what that is saying. And the context of this verse is written about loving each other in the church. So while it is true that we love Jesus because he loved us first, this verse is is talking about we we can love each other because Christ loved us first. Right, the, the, the love that I show to my friends in this room, the love that I show to my wife, the love that I show to my kids, that's made possible by Jesus Christ loving me first. That without his love, that love that I have for those people would not be anywhere near where it is today. So before we can talk about covenant friendships with each other, we have to talk about that covenant friendship with Jesus Christ that he desires to have with each of us. See, covenant isn't based off what we can get out of a relationship or what we can bring to a relationship. We see that in the covenant that Jesus wants with us. He pursued us. He came after us when we were still sinners, when we were his enemies. He loved us. He initiated that covenant with us. He desired to be with us at that moment when we were at our worst, because that's what covenant is, that no matter if you're at your best or your worst, it remains and there's love there. And that's the relationship that Jesus desires to have with us. And so I just wanted to clarify that and bring that into this message early on because we need to understand what a covenant is. A covenant is not very common in our culture. The only relationship that we would look at really in our society today as a covenant is marriage. We talked some about that last week. Because when we hear marriage vows, they're not based off circumstances, right? Like when you go through the marriage vows, what do we say? For better or for right? For richer or, right? So we go through these things and we say, you know what? No matter if I'm at my best or at my worst, I know you're going to love me. No matter if you get us really rich or you get us really poor, I'm going to love you, right? And you go through that because that's, that's what a covenant is, that it's not about the circumstances. It's about the relationship. It's about that other person. We would never want to hear in marriage vows, circumstantial vows, right? Like we would never want to hear, I will love you as long as you make a lot of money. I will love you as long as dinner is on the table when I get home, right? I will love you as long as we have a great sex life. I will love you as long as you give me a couple cute kids that are well behaved, right? Like we would never, if we were at that wedding, we'd be like, wow, they're getting divorced like tomorrow, maybe before the wedding's over, right? Like, I don't know how that works, but that might happen. 
They'll be walking down the aisle and be like, man, it's already over. Didn't even make it five minutes. But marriage, it's a covenant. It's not about circumstances. It never was supposed to be about circumstances. And we need relationships in our life that are the same way. Not about the dinner or the sex or the kids or any of that. But we need friends that are committed to us in all, all circumstances. When we're at our best and when we're at our worst. We need friends that are looking out for us. Philippians 2, 3-4 through 4 says it this way. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is what we're called to do. This is what covenant friendship is, that we're looking out for each other. That it's not about looking out for number one, but it's about looking out for your friends and allowing them to look out for you. I was thinking about this in regards to, I know right now it's football season and everyone's going crazy. And my whole Facebook is people talking about football teams that I don't really care about. And, um, and every time I get on there, there's like the play-by-play by some of my friends. And I'm like, dude, come on. I'm, I'm not watching that game on purpose, right? And, and, uh, but one thing that I know that happens whenever you watch really any sport of any kind, but, but football in particular, um, you, you see the whole picture, right? Like you can see more than the player that's on the field right in the middle of all kind of the mess. And you're thinking when he gets that ball, you're like, you should run that way, right? Like you're, you're yelling at the screen, right? You've been in there, go that way. It, there's no one over there. Just go that way. And then he runs like right into a crowd of like 10 guys and he gets tackled and he's made it like three yards. You're like, he should have run that way. Like that was clear. Somebody should have thrown the ball in that, that area because there was no one over there uh, from defense. But he can't see that, right? When he's in the middle and he's like, I'm going to go this way. This is the play. I'm going to run this way. And that's how it is in our life, that we need friends that can actually kind of be on the outside a little bit and go, man, you should go that way. You should go that way. You go that way, you're going to get pummeled. Like you're going to be on the ground, dog pile on top of you, squashed, right? Like you're not going to make it far. You should go that way. That's what a covenant friendship is, is that we would look for each other's needs. We would look out for each other and be able to help each other along the way. I can tell you from experience, I have friends like this in my life. I have friends in this church like this. You guys know some of them. Guys like Michael, our pastor, or or Alex, our youth pastor, or Brian, our small groups director. These guys, these are close friends of mine. If you don't know them, you should. You should go give them a hug afterwards. Um, These guys are awesome. And and there have been moments in my life where they've said, you should go this way. Or, hey, man, this is going to trip you up. Avoid this. Because they're looking out for me. And I know that. And I'm looking out for them. And that's what covenant friendship is. And I'll say this year of my life, just with my schedule and a lot of things, that the enemy has had tried to distract me as much as he can from this. And it is important. It, it, it really is a life or death thing that you have these kind of friendships in your life. And this year, more than ever, I've been distracted from that. And God continually will bring me back and these friends will continually give me a call or reach out to me. And, and it's awesome to have that, that when you're at your worst, when you're at your busiest, that your friends are still there. Now, the temptation with a message like this is to just talk about what these friends are like and and how to find them. And I've preached messages like that before where you would just say, man, um, here's what these friends are like. They're this, this, and this. So go find people like that. If you have friends that aren't like that, get rid of them, right? And, And that's sort of the temptation to talk like, right? Like we need those kind of friends. But interestingly enough, here's another scientific study for you. Of all of the problems you have in all of your relationships, The common denominator is you, 
right? Like you are the problem. Uh, at least 50% of the problem uh, in all of your relationships is you. So what I want to do today is talk about you. I want to talk about what we should be like as friends. If we want to have covenant friendships, then we need to start with us. And we need to figure out what do I need to be like to have these kind of friendships. So what I want to do today, I want to talk to you guys about four things. And this is unusual for me. I, 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 don't, I don't tend to lean towards uh, three points, four points, and fill in the blanks. I heard one pastor say it this way, and I, and I loved it. He said that he tried to do the blanks, and then halfway through his message, he's looking down at his blank piece of paper, and he's going, well, what the, what the blank goes there? I don't, I don't even know. Um, and so that's me. I, I tend not to lean towards blanks and, and, and all of that kind of thing. But with this message, I did. And Michael actually called me. He's like, do you really have blanks for this message? Is this, is this uh, are you just doing this because I like blanks? And I'm like, no, 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 I, I got some blanks. Uh, I got the blanks covered this time. And so um, I sat down on my couch when I was preparing for this message. And, and I had some ideas running through my head. I've preached on friendship a few different times. And it's one of my favorite topics to talk about. And, and I was like, Lord, what, what should I preach on? Right? And normally, I don't know if you're like me, but normally when you ask God a question, that's about it, right? Like, it sounds like that. And you're like, okay, well, let's go get some Taco Bell. And, um, and so I, I asked the Lord, I was just like, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? And, and interestingly enough, I, I very quickly felt like the Lord just put a few things on my heart and I wrote them down. I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Like, I'll, I, I, I have content now. I can go to the Bible and start to study and research and figure out what it is you want me to say with these things. And so today I want to share with you the things that God put on my heart for our church when it comes to friendship, right? So four things. Um, the first one in your notes there, it says, do the obvious, right? And then in parentheses, I think it says, be friendly. Uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty four says this, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. Now, that's why I said do the obvious, because this scripture seems so obvious to me. Every time I read it, I'm like, oh, a man who has friends must be friendly. Like that's, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know. Like, it's just so obvious, right? Uh, if you want to have friends, you have to be friendly, but it's, it, it's, it's easy to forget this. Like, are you actually friendly to the people in your life? Because if you're not, it's going to be very hard to have friends. It's just, uh, it just is. Uh, are you pursuing friendships in your life? Are you pursuing the people that you want to be friends with? Are you nice to them? Are you blessing them? Are you considering them better than yourself? Um, I had a point this summer where I was starting to kind of feel a little bit disconnected. And, and me and Michael had a talk about it. And we were talking about what do I need to do? And, and the thing that the Lord started to put on my heart then is actually another scripture that I'll, I'll read to you guys. It's Revelation 2.5. And it says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Now, in context, this verse is about sin, and, and he's saying, hey, you've kind of fallen out, in love, uh, out of love with me. This is God speaking. But in my context, what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me through that verse was, hey, you know what? Yeah, there was a point in your life where you were more connected to your friends because you were pursuing them. You were doing the obvious. You were giving them a call. You were saying, let's go have coffee. Uh, you, you were in pursuit of those friends. So if you're feeling disconnected, I feel like the Lord was just saying it's because you're just getting lazy right? And, and so this is the first thing that God brought to my mind when I thought of covenant friendships is that we have to do the obvious. We have to be friendly. Like we have to pursue those friends. And so as the Lord started to put that on my heart this summer, I, I got intentional about it. Um, me and Brian and Alex, we had a talk. Like they came over to my house a month ago and I was like, and actually Brian brought it up 
he was praying for dinner. He's like, Lord, let us do this more often because we've kind of gotten out of this habit. And, and so we're now back to pursuing each other. And my buddy Malachi, he's like my best friend in the world. I was out in California a month ago and I, I, I got to hang out with him a lot. And I sat down with him at a place called Del Taco, which we don't have out here, but uh, it's basically like uh, Taco Bell, Del Taco, right? Like it's not even, it's, it's pretty gross, but uh, I, I like eating it when I'm in California. And, um, and so me and Malachi are sitting at Del Taco, chomping down on really, really cheap tacos. And, uh, and I said to him, man, I just want to let you know, like, I want to be intentional about our friendship more than I have the past year. I want to call you more often. I want to talk more often. I want to keep up with each other and be in each other's life. I said, man, I, 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 want, I want us to be friends until one of us is dead. Like, that's what I told him. I said, until we die, like, I want to be friends with you. And he said, you know what? I feel the same way, man. I've been thinking the same things. I've been praying about this. And I said, dude, I want my kids to know who you are. I want them to be able to say that's dad's best friend. I want my kids to know what a good friendship looks like because of the friendship we have. And he's like, man, I want the same thing. And, and, and so I got intentional about it. I did the obvious and things are better now. I can say that. Like, this is a couple months now. Things are better. I feel more connected. That disconnectedness, that kind of loneliness I was starting to feel in the summer, like, it's not there anymore because I'm connected to the people that I love again because I'm doing the obvious. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's not like I came up with a 12-step program or had to read a John Maxwell book to do it. I just started calling people. That's it. I just, hey, you want to hang out? Hey, can we talk for a few minutes? That's about it. Like, that's the first one is that you have to do the obvious. And maybe you're doing that. Maybe you're like, man, I'm calling people, inviting people. I'm inviting myself places and, and it's not happening. Like I don't have any more friends. I still feel lonely. So I got three more that we'll go through and, and maybe one of these will apply more so to you. The next one here on my list that I felt like the Lord was speaking is this. Kill distractions before they kill your friendships. Now that might sound extreme, but I want to take you to a verse in Genesis chapter four that I kept thinking about on this topic. Um, it says this, 4, 7, Genesis. It says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And in context, this is about sin crouching at the door, waiting to destroy you, right? And you might say, man, well, is not having friends, is being lonely, is that really a sin? Well, here's what I would say. In the New Testament, it says, if you know what is right and do not do it, it is sin. And I can tell you right now that it is right for you to be in close friendships. It is right for you to have good, godly people speaking into your life on a regular basis. And so if you know that that's right, which you do, because I just told you and quoted the Bible to you, uh, and you don't do it, then it, yes, it's sin. It's going against the will of God. God designed us for relationship. He designed us to be in community. He designed the church as a place where we would build those relationships and those friendships. And so if we avoid that, if we neglect that, then yes, it's sin. And, and so in our day and age, in our culture, one of the biggest hindrances to friendships is just distractions. In, in this verse, it talks about sin crouching out the door. Well, I think if we were to say distractions can be sinful because they pull us away from relationships, they're beyond crouching at the door, right? Like they're in our living room, on our TV stand, on our desk, on our dresser, in our pocket, in the car. Like distractions are everywhere trying to destroy us, trying to destroy our friendships. Have you guys ever met this guy, right? Like the guy who, when you hang out, you're like, hey, how's it going? He's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so I was going to call you the, do you remember, 
that guy's annoying, right? Like, I hate hanging out with him. You're like, just stop it, dude. Just hang out with that person, whoever they are, because they seem really interesting, right? Like, they, they, they're really cool. But, but then, like, when you're not with him, you're getting texts from him. And you're like, you're probably hanging out with someone else right now. And now you're texting me. Like, this is weird, right? And, and I, was, I, I read the news a lot, and, and I've actually read stories this year and this is really sad. So uh, this is really sad. But I, I've read stories this year where parents have neglected their kids because they're on their cell phone or they're on Facebook. And the kids have either gotten hurt or killed. Have you guys read stories like this? This is crazy, right? Like I read this one story of this mom running a bath for a kid. And then she went and played Farmville. And the kid drowned. And I read that and I was like, are you kidding me? Like you played Farmville and your kid died? Like when I, when I read that, I think of this verse. And I think, okay, Let's, let's change out the word sin there with technology or distractions and say, is she ruling over those distractions or are they ruling over her? And, and that's an extreme example, but how many of us, our relationships are damaged and, and, and destroyed or at least belittled to some degree because of the distractions that we allow in our life? Because we're not ruling over them. We're letting them rule over us. Recently, I, I had this experience where I just saw somebody that honestly just showed me the love of God by not being distracted. We, we did this pastor's conference uh, roundtable thing a couple weeks ago. And um, man, it was a lot of fun. We had, pa- we had about 30 pastors come out from all over the region. And uh, we had Corey down from ARC. Some of you guys heard him preach a couple weeks ago. He did a great job. Uh, we had Pastor Steve out from Love of Christ, kind of leading it at his church. And Pastor Mark, uh, a friend of ours from The Journey, uh, just a few steps ahead of us, honestly, in, the, in this kind of road to growing a church. And, and so we got to hear a lot of cool things. And, and afterwards, there was a lunch, and all the pastors were sitting around. And me and Janelle had been kind of helping out volunteer. And we went and sat down after we got everything done. We went and sat down at, at our own table, kind of just off to ourselves. This guy, Kent, um, from Epic Church, and again, a, a Good friends of True Life. We, we love this guy. We love his church. They're up in Philly doing really great things. Um, he came over. I, I talked to this guy maybe last time I saw him was April, right? So a while ago. He came up, and I, and, and I watched him do this, and I thought this was amazing. As he walked to the table, he did this. And some of you guys have never done this, but he put his phone in his pocket, right? And then he sat down, and he looked me in the eyes, and he's like, how are you doing, man? And I was like, I'm doing really, I'm doing pretty good, I guess. And he's like, for real, man, is everything okay? I'm like, Yeah. It is, actually. And, and then he started to ask me about things that we had talked about back in April, which was, what is that, six months ago? That's a while for him to remember that. And he sat for maybe five, ten minutes and talked to me without ever pulling his phone out. And that blessed me. Like, that just was encouraging. I was like, whoa, this guy cares. This is really weird. Like, I'm not used to that. Most people that I talk to, like almost everyone I talk to, typically is on their phone the whole time. At least they set it on the, on the table in front of them so that if it buzzes, they can quickly like, be distracted and, and, and lose me. Um, but I thought, man, that's what I should be doing when I talk to people. And I don't. Like, I let myself get distracted way too easily. And this, this honestly, when I saw that, I was like, man, that's, that's how Jesus would be if he was in our day and age, right? Like, I don't think he would be a hermit and not have a cell phone or a Facebook or anything like that. But I think when he was in a room with somebody, if he was in that space with you— I, He'd put it in his pocket and just talk to you and be genuine and be honest with you. I was thinking about some of the stories in the Bible 
with Jesus if he had had a cell phone and acted the way we act? Like how awful those stories would be, right? Like when he's trying to talk to the woman at the well who's been married five times and currently living with her boyfriend and, and, and she's trying to ask him all these questions. If he was just like on his phone and like, yeah, yeah, can you give me some water? I, I, uh, uh, or, or the woman who's caught in adultery. When they're, they're coming out and they're like, Jesus, you know, she's caught in adultery. And he's like, sorry, what? Yeah, just do whatever the Bible says, right? And then the next thing you know, like they all have stones in their hand, right? And they're getting ready to kill her because that's, they were quoting the Bible to him. And he, if he was, if he's like us, he wouldn't be paying attention. Yeah, just do what the, oh, oh, oh man, what are you, what are you doing? You guys all have rocks in your hands. Oh, you're going to kill it. No, 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 hold on. Let me put this up, right? But that's how it is. Like we get so distracted in relationships and we let our distractions rule over us. I think the best uh, example I heard of this recently, um, how many of you guys, I was watching Conan O'Brien and I saw an interview with a guy named uh, Louis C.K. How many of you guys like Louis C.K.? You guys are all terrible people. Just, you're not allowed to like Louis C.K. Um, anyway, so Louis C.K. is a comedian. If you haven't heard of him, it's okay. Don't look him up. Uh, and so he was on Conan O'Brien, and he was talking about how distracted we are and why he's not going to get his kids cell phones, which I thought was interesting. He's not a Christian or anything like that. He said, I don't want my kids to get cell phones because it just makes them terrible people. And, uh, and then he started talking about how in our society that when we start to feel lonely, when we start to kind of, and this guy's not a Christian, so he's very depressing in his description of it. He said, you know, the forever nothingness that's in, inside of us all. When you don't feel anything and you're just alone. And he started talking about this. And it's, it's humorous if you like dry comedy. But so he, he said, you, you know, we feel that. And he said, and what we do instead of just embracing that and letting ourselves feel lonely and deal with it is we grab our phone and we just click, click, click. And we send a text to 50 people and, and we see who, who responds. And then we pick the person that's coolest that responds and we start talking to them. And, uh, and he said, but man, sometimes we just need to let ourselves feel lonely. And so he told this story about how he's driving down the road and he heard this song, made him kind of emotional. And instead of, he, he went to grab his phone and he's like, no, 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 I need to experience this. This is what makes me human. And he said, he pulled his car off on the side of the road and he just began to weep <laughs> and bawl, right? And just let the emotion kind of flood over him and realize his, that he was lonely. And, uh, and that's really depressing. It's funny if you hear him say it, a lot funnier than me saying it, but, um, but I thought, here's a guy who doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know God, and he realizes that distractions are bad for him. Like, he realizes that going to his phone every time he feels lonely is maybe not the best and healthiest thing. That maybe it's okay to feel those emotions and experience them because they might make you actually do something, right? Like, they might actually make you change something or experience something that you're supposed to experience. And so we need to kill the distractions before they kill our friendships. Uh, the next one, the next one is the game change. The one that maybe you, you don't expect me to say, you don't expect to be in this message. But if we want good, godly, covenant friendships, we need to serve together. Serve together. That's one of those blanks. So get plugged in here, right? I'll give you guys some ideas of how you could get plugged in here at True Life and serve. You could join the hospitality team, right? How many people we got on the hospitality team? See, that's why we need people to join the hospitality team, right? Like, it's that one guy. He, you know, that, it's probably like Ryan, right? Like, he made the coffee. He greeted you at the door. He set up the tables. He put the ropes on. Like, we need more people on that crew, okay? Um, you could join the kids ministry or the setup crew or the hospitality team or start a small group or the hospitality team um, or the hospitality team. We really, we need some help on the hospitality team. Um, but there's a lot of areas that you can serve. And we do growth track every Sunday night so you can kind of 
understand our church a little bit more and get plugged in. But you need, you need to get plugged in. You need to serve. Um, Genesis, or let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Paul is instructing the, the church in Galatia about what to do with their newfound freedom that they have in Christ. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul indicates that the opposite of using freedom to sin is to use your freedom to serve. The church struggled, the church that he was writing to, they struggled with legalism. What had happened is they had become Christians and then some people that kind of knew the Bible a little bit better than them came in and said, oh, no, 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 it can't just be Jesus. It needs to be Jesus plus all these rules. You need to do this and you need to do that. And you need to, you know, and they were just giving him all these commands. And, and, and Paul says, hey, you want to fulfill the commands? You want to fulfill all the rules in the Bible? Here's how you do it. Love each other, serve each other, humbly. Use your freedom to do that. Don't use your freedom to run back to more rules and to run back to legalism. Use your freedom to serve people around you in love. If I'm honest, I was thinking about the friendships I have in my life and every single close friend that I have. Now, now I'm not talking about acquaintances and things like that, but every single close, meaningful friendship that I have was built through serving. And that's not an exaggeration because after I wrote that in my notes, I was like, let me think real hard because I don't want to lie to everybody. And so I just started thinking through friends, friends that I currently have, friends that maybe I'm not as close to anymore. And I just started kind of taking a uh, sort of a stock of my friendships and and I started thinking, you know what? Serving, serving. Every one of them was serving. So I thought of my high school friends and I was like, you know what? My close friends in high school, they were built through serving in a youth group together on the worship team or, or on missions trips or all, we were serving together. And those were, those were my best memories from my, my high school years. And when I thought about my, my sort of young adult phase, like 18 to, you know, early twenties or whatever, um, I was at a ministry called Teen Mania in an internship. Talk about serving. I was actually paying that ministry to work for them right? Uh, and, and I don't know how this started, but Christian ministries love this, right? They're like, hey, come pay us money and then work for us. And everyone's like, okay. And, uh, dude, and I learned a ton and I grew a ton and it was awesome. But I thought, you know what? I built some really close friendships there. That's where I met my wife. That's where I met my friend Malachi. Um, Brian, he, you know, we were already friends, but he came down there and we were serving together there. And, and, and through that, I built close friendships from serving. And then I thought, well, the next phase of my life was trying to get a church off the ground here in Newark and then eventually being at True Life. And during those two phases that kind of came into one phase, uh, I've built more close friendships, again, through serving. If you are struggling with loneliness, if you're struggling with having close friendships, you need to serve. Here's my challenge to you. If you are in this position where you could use some more close friends, take one month and volunteer here. Even if you haven't been through growth track all the way yet or anything like that, there's areas you can get plugged in today, right? Like church ends today, we'll need help cleaning this stage up. And, and I mean, that's as simple as taking an Allen wrench and unscrewing pieces of this stage and picking it up and putting it on a rack. It's as simple as rolling some cords up, picking a speaker up, bringing those lights down. Uh, don't touch any of the expensive stuff. Um, all of that, like you could do that today. Service ends, you could be up here today. You go to Kevin right here in the front. You say, Kevin, I want to help out. What do I do? And he'll tell you what to do. 
Um, today, you could start doing that. Today, you could help the hospitality team clean up the back. That one guy, right? Like you could help him today. He'll get to go to lunch earlier if you help him. Uh, today, right? Like, and if you go through growth track, there's even more opportunity to serve. There's more chances for you to serve. There's more places for you to plugged in. But I guarantee you, give it a month. If you take four weeks and you serve for one month at our church, I guarantee you'll start to feel more connected. You'll start to feel closer. You'll start to build closer friendships. It will just happen. I don't know how to explain it other than it will just happen. It will. I don't know anyone on any of our serving teams that don't feel connected that are serving on a regular basis. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not like making a definitive statement that no one could ever feel lonely and be on a serving team. It could happen. But generally, if you're serving, you're gonna feel connected because you're you're working towards that common goal together. It's awesome. It feels so good. Honestly, it's so good. Uh, So do that and help Ryan with the hospitality team. Um, All right, so uh, one more here. Just take a drink. So we have one more here. That I, and this is honestly, as I was sitting there praying, this is the first one I really felt like God put on my heart. So I kind of started with this, and then as I prepared the message, I felt like it fit best at the end. So when I was praying, Lord, what, what do we need to hear? What do we need to do to be covenant friends, to build those covenant friendships in our life? The, the first thing I felt like the Lord put on my heart was this, that we need to stop hiding and that might sound funny. You might think, man, I'm not hiding. To me, all of you are, because I can't see a thing when I'm up here preaching. It's totally dark. So everybody's hiding. So this is real appropriate for me to preach. Um, but for real, in your life, you need to stop hiding. A lot of us are surrounded by people all the time that don't really know us. And maybe you've thought that. Maybe you've thought, man, like, these people don't know me. Like, my friends, they don't know me. My family doesn't know me. Like, because you have secrets. You have things that you've hidden. You have things that you would never want anyone to find out. And I'm encouraging you today, stop hiding. Stop hiding. Stop, stop being secretive. Stop hiding those things away. Th- those bad habits, those addictions, those things that make you ashamed. Stop hiding them. It's easy for us to hide in a crowded room. We don't let others around us know who we really are. And, and we end up feeling isolated and lonely despite the fact that we're super connected and, and constantly busy and constantly around people. We utilize, and I've used this in another message. I didn't make this up. I stole it from another pastor, but we utilize what I would call the Christian F word. And I know I already quoted Louis C.K., so you're like, where is he going with this? Um, but uh, the Christian F word is fine. I'm doing fine, right? And, and, and so, hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine. How's your marriage? It's fine. How's your job going? It's fine. How are your kids? Fine. And I grew up in church, so I heard this a lot from people. And, hey, I'm fine. And then you find out they're not fine, right? Like their marriage is not fine because they're now going through a divorce. Their job is not fine. They actually were laid off. Their kids are not fine. One of them's in rehab. Like, and all the while, they're, I'm fine. I'm fine. Because we want to keep that image. We want to come to church and put a smile on and pretend it's okay. And we don't want people to dig into our life and know who we really are. We just want them to think that we're fine. And if you're not fine, then, then say that and be okay with that. Maybe not to every single person, right? Like, you don't have to go up to total strangers and be like, I'm not fine. Let me tell you all about it, right? But you need to build friendships, godly ones, in this church with people that love you, so you can tell them, I'm not doing fine. Things suck right now. 
I need some help. And what the main way that we do that here at True Life, and, and this is not me just plugging it, we do it through small groups. Like it, it is all, Brian just did a Street Fighter move over there when I said small groups. Um, but uh, we do it through small groups. And I want to take you guys to a verse that, that really illustrates this. It's James chapter 5. So if you have a Bible or a phone or whatever, go there, James chapter 5. It says, Therefore confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. And, and, and what happened at some point in history is we took this verse and we said, well, what that means is that you crawl into this box and you can't see the guy on the other side and you tell him all the bad things you've done. He tells you to pray a prayer and then you're good. But that's not what this verse means. It also doesn't mean that you come down front to an altar and tell me all of your sins and then we don't hang out, Right? And that was the temptation. Like I was praying about what to do this week with this message. And part of me wanted to do that. Like have an altar call, time to confess sins. But I knew, you know what? If we get 20 people down here and there's two or three leaders up here praying, like we're not going to be able to follow up with all of you guys. Like just time-wise, we won't. Like I have a job and I have kids and I can only follow up with so many people. And same with Michael, same with any of us. And this is why we have small groups here. Like it is. And I know that you might be sitting there thinking, well, they're just plugging small groups again. Yeah, I am. Because they work, because they're really good. Even at our football small group, like we, we, we play football on Saturday morning and either at the end or the beginning, every week, Michael's like, what's going on, guys? What do you need prayer for? What can we help you with? And, and some weeks, there's more stuff to pray about than others. Some weeks, it's like nothing. We're all really tired. Let's play football, right? And, uh, but other weeks, guys will say, hey, I, you could pray for me about this or I got this going on. And that's just one way that we do it. Some of the small groups aren't football, so they have even more time to talk. There's several women's small groups. I'm sure that they do tons more talking than they do football. I, I'm, I could be wrong, but I think the knitting group or the, the single mom group or the, the women's group, I'm pretty sure that they, they talk more than they play football. Um, but get in one. Seriously, get in a small group. Start doing what the Bible says. It says to confess your sins to each other and to pray that you could be healed. That's, that's what we desire for all of you. That's what my desire is for you. That's what Michael's desire is. That's what all the leadership here, that's the desire for our church, is that we could be healed. You say, healed from what? Healed from sin. Because the longer you hide it, the longer you stuff it down and just continue to fester in it, it's going to kill you. Like we read earlier, that it's at the door waiting to destroy you. But you have to master it. You have to kill it. And so get in friendships like this. Get in covenant with other people in this church. Build those relationships because they're going to change your life and you're going to find healing and you're going to find freedom. And I can say that from personal experience that I've went through seasons where I've, where I've been hiding, right? And it's easy to slip back into it. It's easy to just kind of duck back and as things get harder, just kind of hide and then start to feel overwhelmed and then start to lie to yourself and say, well, I had freedom and now I don't anymore. I don't want to go back to those same friends and tell them that I've screwed up and that I'm back in the same place. But you know what? That's life and that happens. And it's okay to go back to those same friends and say, yeah, I screwed up and, and I've been hiding from you guys. You know, I, I, I've been kind of keeping this over here a secret. But that needs to end today. Like that needs to stop now. We need to stop hiding and we need to start pursuing each other. We need to start being obvious. We need to kill off the distractions. We need to start serving. And we need to see these relationships be built today. So I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to wrap up here.
But I want to take a minute and pray for you guys. We do this every week at True Life. We give you a moment here in the service where if you don't know Jesus, you can come to know Jesus today. And that's our desire every week is that we would see that happen because that is the friendship that needs to start all of this. Because without Jesus, none of this is possible. Without knowing Jesus Christ, without accepting that covenant friendship first, none of the rest of this works. Right? The reason that I have close friends, the reason that I can go to someone like Brian or Michael or, or others in our church is because I love Jesus and they love Jesus. So we want the same thing. But if you don't love Jesus, if you don't have that friendship with Jesus, it's going to be hard to build a covenant friendship. It's going to be hard to build a friendship with someone who doesn't love Jesus. It's going to be hard to be in covenant with someone who doesn't care about your eternity. So I want to do this. Everyone can just close their eyes, bow their heads for a moment. You guys You guys can just start to play whatever you want. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So close your eyes. If you don't know Jesus or you've walked away from Jesus and today you're saying, man, I want that again. I want to be friends with Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. If you're in that boat, if you're just saying, man, today I need to start that friendship back up with Jesus. And I see some hands going up. So what we do here, I'm going to pray a really simple prayer. You can repeat after me, and then then as the band's playing, you can just kind of make that personal and and begin to talk to him. Just say this. Hey, Jesus. You guys can say this with me as a church. Come on, let's make it comfortable for the others. Hey, Jesus. Forgive me for all my sins. Come into my heart. Make me a new person. Let me be your friend. In Jesus' name, amen. And just take a minute here in this moment before you look around and and just begin to make that personal to him. Jesus, I love you. I want to be your friend. I want to walk with you, God. Every day, Lord, I want you by my side. Just begin to speak those things out to him. Just begin to talk to Jesus. That's the first friendship you need. Lord God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this day, God, where we could come together, Lord, as friends, as family, as covenant members of your body, Lord. You've drawn us into your family, Lord, that you've brought us in to relationship with you so that you could be our friend. That no longer are we slaves, no longer are we enemies, Lord, but we're your friend. So we thank you for that, Jesus. You are our best friend, the most faithful friend. And we give you honor. We give you glory, God. And I pray that today people would stop hiding their sin and their faults and their shame and they would realize that everyone in this room is just as messed up as they are. They would stop hiding. God, I pray that today they would start to serve. Lord, I pray that today they would make a decision to stop the distractions in their life. And during all of that, God, I pray they would do the obvious. They would be friendly. They would pursue the friends in this church, God. Lord, we love you, Jesus. You're so awesome. You're so good to us, so faithful. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. (laughs) Come on, let's give Joel a hand. Wasn't that a good word this morning? It's awesome. Hey, dude, I just want to commend you on uh, 
on knowing how to be a great friend because uh, there have been some times over the last year where just us spending time together has meant a lot to me and uh, you've really encouraged me and built me up and, and uh, even helped me in those moments where I feel kind of insecure and unqualified. So I just want to thank you for that, man. All right, come on, give it up for Joel this morning.